0: Hello, I'm Aiden Babbitt.
1: And I'm Peter Marara.
0: And this is Off-Broadway, a podcast where two kids who think they know more about theater than they actually do, talk about theater.
1: So today, in our fourth episode, I can't believe we've made it this far already. It's kind of Woo, A month. Heck yeah. Uh, we're going to be covering composers, just uh, our favorite composers, just the difficulty of it, and kind of the evolution of the Broadway score as a whole from Hammerstein to Pasek and Paul and everything in between.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say like, I have so much respect for just all composers because like
1: 100%. I've tried
0: to like make music and it's so hard.
1: It's, it's insane. I mean, I, I, I can't play the piano personally. Like I knew if I know a few chords, but I could just not imagine it's, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like, my only musical ability is singing. Um, I can, yeah. I cannot imagine putting together three hours of just like carefully orchestrated music that tells a story.
1: Yeah, it's it's incredible. It really is. Truly okay so Aiden what's your what's one of your favorite composers um
0: I'll probably start with one of like the obvious ones the big one probably oh, one yeah. Lloyd Webber. yeah I think clearly um, <laughs> clearly is undisputably like one of the greatest musical theater composers of all time
1: 100 uh, percent I for I sure yeah like Phantom Evita, cats Joseph Jesus Christ superstar like
0: yeah he's got so many good <laughs> like household name musicals it's it's <laughs> it's, it's almost just it might not be fair to say that all of his stuff has been like a hit but yeah. he's just got so much because i'm sure he did plenty right.
1: before he landed on a hit but yeah i think Avida was his first one yeah and i mean it's insane all he's done and he continues to compose like what's it called a school of rock came out like four years ago it's pretty incredible
0: school of rock was only four years
1: ago i think so Wasn't it? I thought it was like 2012. Oh, maybe. I'm not really sure. But point is, he's been composing for a while. (laughs) Yeah. And he started really, really young with his first score. Actually, no, his first score was Jesus Christ Superstar. And he was really, really young.
0: School of Rock uh, was originally published in December of 2015. I just found out.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's like four or five years ago. That's incredible.
0: That is wild. Because how old is he now? He's 72. Wow. Yeah. I mean, good for him. More power to you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay, Okay. so for my next, kind of another giant of Broadway, it's Stephen Sondheim.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Undisputably. uh, Like Company, Sweeney Todd, Sunday in the Park with George, Into the Woods, Assassins, just incredible music in all of those
0: Stephen sondheim is just one of those composers that like i can just listen to non-stop like you could have you could have a playlist of just his musicals and never get bored because all of his compositions are so intricate and interesting to listen to even if you just take out the lyrics listening to the music is just so good
1: yeah, I like the contrasts he has in within his shows too. With, for instance, with Company, he has a song like "Marry Me a Little" that's just like this ballad or being alive, and then he comes back with "Not Getting Married," which is just like da 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 like a million miles per minute. And I just think that's incredible. Yeah, a good old
0: fashioned patter
1: song. Yeah, he just utilizes the score really, really well. And I mean, Sunday in the Park with George just has like it's, it's one of my favorite scores.
0: Absolutely. And, like, I guess Sondheim makes the most sense for you because, like like you've said, you're, like, a huge Into the Woods and West Side story guy. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things... Uh, I know when it comes to auditions, everyone's like, don't do Sondheim, don't do... But I'm so... Like, if I ever get another audition just for, like, community theater or some shit, like, I'm so just... I want to do Sondheim. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I love singing Sondheim, but... I mean, it is... It, it, that's the thing they say. Don't do Sondheim or Jason Robert Brown, who I'm actually going to bring up later in the pod, just yeah. just because their accompaniments are just so difficult and like you you don't know what you're going to get with an accompanist. Really,
0: it's 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 really interesting. And it's like I think the more serious like you get into auditioning, the more you can probably bring in like a Jason Robert oh. Brown or a Stephen Sondheim. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Because then you're dealing with accompanists who, uh are incredible um mm-hmm. like a lot of the accompanists i've been able to work with what's the, the opportunity to work with here uh at ithaca not here at ithaca no longer at ithaca whoops but like working with those accompanists has been incredible because you can hand them almost anything and they'll be like yeah okay and then like play it all like almost flawlessly which is yeah. just wild to me that's some insane talent and it's also just like yeah when you're when you're like auditioning for college or if you're auditioning for just local theater probably don't bring in like Sondheim or Jason Robert Brown as we said I couldn't think of a song off the top of my head because yeah. or if you do make sure it's something that's not like atrocious like you could probably bring in West Side Story
1: oh yeah 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 you could do probably Something's Coming I mean the piano isn't that hard to that or even Maria Maria is not a hard piano song. yeah I mean, Maria's is probably overdone, but yeah, uh, clearly, but yeah, just various songs within those realms are just really difficult for accompanists just to look at and be like, Oh, yep. 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 It's, I don't know. It's one of those. Well, yeah.
0: Cause these, these accompanists are going to be sight reading. Like if you're working with someone yeah, yeah, yeah. who's been, who's been learning the piece, then great. Have them do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're going in and you have 32 bars and you're handing uh a cut of music that looks insane it's just like you're setting yourself up to fail
1: yeah uh the accompanist that worked with my voice teacher in high school actually she was prop she was the best accompanist i've ever seen like professional piano player that's what she did like that was what she did mm-hmm. and it was incredible just like i would hand her a piece of music and it was just like jason robert brown song with just the most difficult piano part and she'd just play it And it's just incredible. (laughs) I could never.
0: Yeah. I like to think I tell a lot of my accompanists who, who play for me, like always like thank them just so much in the room because I find that to be like, I wish I could do what they could do, but I'm sure it's just like, you know, practice. And it's like, yeah, obviously if I, if I sat down and tried to, if I had taken piano lessons for 16 years, yeah but it's not where I am and it still just it just blows me away I don't understand it because like I'm taking a keyboarding course for like my major and like I'm having a great time and I'm definitely learning like, like how to move my fingers on a piano and I'm learning like the basics of music theory and how to look at sheet music and fumble my way through a piece so I can accompany myself but just like doing that it is so buck wild to me how they take that to just a completely different level.
1: Yeah. Okay. So who, who is your next composer that you have down Aiden?
0: One of my next favorite composers is Janine Tasori.
1: Ooh. Okay. I did not have that on my list, but 100% agree.
0: Yeah. Mainly for fun home. Um, fun home. That's a great score. I absolutely love fun home. Definitely more than just phone home. She did music for Shrek. Um, yeah, Shrek.
1: Dude, Shrek Shrek slaps. I'm gonna say Shrek. Shrek is unironically, really good. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I slaps.
0: very much enjoy that musical. Um and also thoroughly modern Millie.
1: Yeah, and she also did Violet, which
0: has a lot of yes. songs. Violet's so good.
1: Yeah. No, she, she, has- she
0: she's an incredible talent because I think one of the things she is best at is sort of like and most broadway composers are like this but i think she does a especially exceptional job at crafting songs that like feed into the emotions of pieces mm-hmm. like fun home is just such a visceral show yeah, um, yeah. then it, it that deals with such of like this these heavy hitting themes and this like raw emotion and you really need a strong score to back that up and i think she accomplished that
1: yeah no Eight, totally. I, I like a lot of her. Like, Thoroughly Lamar I love that soundtrack. Absolutely. Like, it's a good... And it's one of those composers that really flies under the radar, I think. I don't think she's really a household name in the musical theater realm, just because... I don't no, know.
0: it's interesting. I think, like, a lot of composers, I think the composers people know are just, like, old white dudes.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's great... It's great that she that she is composing, and that her stuff is just amazing. Because yeah, you know it, it, this industry can't be run by white dudes. Like yeah, exactly. I think that's just so, that's just so problematic. Old. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And it, it had been up until probably I want to say like 1980 or something. Like it's that's really yeah. It
0: definitely was a very sort of whitewashed um, business, and still like there are definitely parts of it that are there are definitely Sometimes de- decisions that are made still, where you're like,
1: "eh." Yeah. So to kind of segue off that, my next uh, composer is an old white dude, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's Alan Menken. Yeah. Dis- yeah. So everything Disney. I mean, also Little Shop, uh, sister act, Newsies, I- insane. Just yeah, some of the most re- recognizable stuff broadway as well as film uh musicals have ever seen
0: oh for sure and that's like that's he must be like loaded because like once you're like
1: oh, yeah, he's yeah. literally
0: like disney's composer essentially
1: mm-hmm. yeah just i what yeah no i met i actually met alan Mankin. i went yeah to a, i went to a production of little shop at the kennedy center in dc and he was sitting two rows in front of me and i went up to him and i was like Hey Mr. Mankin, big fan, big fan. And I was geeking out, you know, I was shaking, (laughs) wetting my pants. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but so and I say, Hey, I was Sebastian in The Little Mermaid last year, and he said, Let me hear it. So (laughs) we didn't. Yeah, not even kidding. I sang Kiss the Girl in front of Alan Mankin. It was the highlight of my musical career that's so funny i mean he started oh my gosh he started amazing. dancing and he dances at his own shows he was dancing at little shop It was incredible. that's
0: amazing yeah i yeah i mean i haven't met any famous composers but that, that's really funny i wouldn't have expected alan menken to just be like yeah okay sebastian let's hear it
1: it was so wild it was so crazy so who do you have next
0: um I'm going to bring it back. I like um, Stephen Flaherty.
1: Of Aaron's and Flaherty?
0: Yeah, Aaron's and Flaherty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anastasia, I love.
1: Yeah. that's. Oh, I hate how underappreciated that musical is. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: Does Aaron's do any of the music, or is she just the lyricist?
1: She might just be the lyricist. Yeah, she might just be the lyricist. I I don't know. It's like I always put them together. It's just like... It's like yeah, they
0: they were exactly um, that seems to be like a lot of things like
1: oh yeah 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 there's it's Rod- usually
0: like yeah Rodgers and Hammerstein or wait no
1: yeah, yeah Rodgers and
0: Hammerstein yeah. I, Bartons
1: oh yeah they did a lot of the '60s stuff right I think so Barton and Milhouse? no that's Simpsons ah. Uh. <laughs> 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 I just I, I just typed in Bart and it said, but no, yeah, it's I, not
0: Bart. It's heart. I'm.
1: Oh yeah. I'm really not sure. I'm completely
0: blanking, but yeah, there's like Pascal, Paul Rogers yeah. and Hammerstein, Mencken and Rice did a lot of stuff together. Uh, yeah. Ander and
1: Ebb. Yeah. Marara and Babbitt, you know, they're everywhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're up there with the big dogs.
1: <laughs> no, but yeah, I know what you mean. It, it is. I mean, like Rodgers and Hammerstein, probably the most iconic composers that really, pretty much created Broadway. Yeah, and the, musical theater as a genre. I mean, yeah, like, just legends. Yeah. What were we talking about? Oh, Aaron and Clarity. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. No. I I love like, Susical. What, what, I saw once on this island the broadway revival of that it was just incredible i
0: never got to see that i really wanted
1: to i love the music it was a great production but it was i mean the music from it is incredible for sure i feel like they're kind of under the radar too just when it comes to uh when it comes to musicals i mean they won the tony for once on this island but yeah
0: well i think the thing about composers is like in the world of broadway i don't think composers really get enough credit i don't think in general when it comes to theater i don't think the people like backstage or like the people who aren't actors don't get enough credit
1: yeah yeah i know what you're saying
0: Just... it's it's sure like the audience the audience sees the audience sees the show and they see the actors perform it so i i guess that's like the first thing to stick with them is like oh this actor was good but it's like there's so much that went into that show like yeah the actors didn't write the music the actors didn't write the book most of the time unless you're like manuel miranda but that's a whole different beast
1: (laughs) it kind of makes me mad but i mean it's just that's been done in film for so long and i mean the same goes for broadway which is a shame yeah. Okay. So my next composer that I have down is just another giant of Broadway, uh, Stephen Schwartz. Just with uh, Godspell, Pippin, Wicked. Uh, just released Prince of Egypt, which is a, which is a really good soundtrack. It's on the West End. I mean, not now, obviously, because of COVID, but it was on the West End before it. Uh, before. I think it was right. Princes of Egypt, yeah, be- or Gods of Egypt. The- Cool. The Prince of Egypt. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is on the West End. Uh, yeah, I I just like that music a lot. And it's, I mean, I think it's definitely going to come to Broadway. And it's crazy that Stephen Schwartz is still making music. Because yeah. he wrote Pippin in the 70s. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> Godspell even before that, I think, or early 70s. I'm not sure when Gospel came out. I do love that show, though. Yeah, that was a great show, and Wick, Wicked is like I've talked about it before, but Wicked is my favorite soundtrack of all time. Like it's I mean, yeah, it's, it's, something I it's something I grew For up sure. on. Something I grew up on, and all all the song. I mean, Adina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth, like also just incredible, but. iconic. Okay, so who do you have as your next composer?
0: My next composer is Anais Mitchell who is, of course, like, known for um, Town, And I wanted to highlight her just because I feel like Town is a really, like, interesting beast right now. Of course, it's just won best musical, and I think it was deserved. I think it's um, yeah, yeah. a really good show, and I really enjoy the music. And it's such an interesting style to me. It's this, like... Yeah, yeah jazzy folksy
1: it's it's more of a songwriter rather than a composer do you know what I mean yeah it's I can definitely tell it's coming from a songwriter because it, it was a concept album that Aeneas Mitchell mm-hmm. released and it just she just expanded on it yeah Town, the myth the musical like it wasn't even I think it's wild though and I think that's great though I think it's really just working away from the traditional mold of like hey this is a composer who's been trained classically and has all these qualifications and stuff and then someone like Aeneas Mitchell comes in who's just a folk artist and just blows up the world really
0: yeah and and what's great is like one of the things i love to seeing composers is like variety mm-hmm. um and of course we haven't really i haven't seen her personally or heard her or any of her other work and but she and this music like the hades town music is such a like specific sound that she does really really well which is yeah. almost counter to what i look for in a musical often which is variety but she's so focused and so honed in that it all of the music shines through. Like, all of those songs are memorable. Oh, yeah. Even though they're, like, they're all in the same style, they still are all distinct enough and interesting enough and fun enough to listen to that I, like, I don't get bored by the end of the album.
1: Yeah, yeah. There is a lot of contrast in that score, definitely. So off of that, just with, like, kind of flying under the radar and more of, like, a songwriter, uh, my next is Dave Malloy if you're are familiar mm-hmm. with him, uh, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, which was directed by the same director of Hadestown, Rachel Chavkin, who just won the Tony. Uh, and he's also written Octet, which is, it's a new release. It was,
0: it was- Oh, off, I'd heard
1: about this. Yeah, it was off-Broadway uh, in the summer, I believe, the past summer. And he also did one called Ghost Quartet, and Octet and Ghost Quartet are both acapella musicals right which isn't
0: ghost quartet ghost quartets very i mean they're both very new but ghost quartet is like new new
1: i think so yeah yeah my one friend is just a huge dave malloy fan and just knows everything there is to know about dave malloy uh and he also my friend also writes music uh ghost quartet was off broadway in 2015 so no oh octet octet is the one that's more known but interesting i I just think it's really interesting how it's an acapella they're acapella musicals i think that that requires so much skill
0: yeah absolutely acapella is hard stuff and (laughs) especially like
1: i just think something dave malloy does really well is he also writes the books of his musicals Mm mm-hmm So he's just taking every aspect of his shows and it's all coming from his, his mind, which is just so cohesive. And I think that can, I mean, it's so much work though. Like, I mean, and he's done even more than what I mentioned and he's only 50 years old. So it's insane. Yeah.
0: Sort of to build off of that um, book writing as well as composing It's pretty wild. Have we, how we've gone on 20 plus minutes and are just now, I'm going to mention
1: Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, I was, I was about to. He's just incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's insane. <laughs> it's, yeah. He
0: did, In the Heights was his first, like, big Yeah. Um, musical. And, of course, since then he's done Hamilton, which was
1: just an enormous success. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, only 40, and, he's only 40 years old yeah what What?
0: i'm i'm so excited to see like what he does for the stage next because he's also been now composing for a ton of other stuff well that's the other thing he's also done like
1: acting bring it
0: on yeah Yeah. and like he's he's branching out and i think he's helping to sort of make musicals more mainstream honestly
1: yeah more accessible Um, definitely because he's he's sort of
0: yeah Moana and he's like broken out and with the in the heights movie that's going to be coming out
1: yeah it's insane it's just insane how much of a success Hamilton was and I mean it it is much deserved I mean I know we've both seen it and we rave about it but it really is worth the hype
0: absolutely and his music is just so good and his lyrics (laughs) too are just yeah like so clever and so they flow so well. Um and also mm-hmm. he was a he was sort of revolutionary to Broadway with In the Heights and this sort of blending of uh rap with traditional musical theater.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I think I've brought this up before, but he had an eighteen minute musical called Twenty One Chump Street. Yeah. With Lindsay Mendez and Anthony Ramos that is just really really insane like it's so good yeah so i really recommend that to any pod listeners it's just on youtube i mean just search 21 chump street it's there but yeah i mean we can't talk about composing in 2020 and not bring up Lin-Manuel miranda he's just one of those names that is just in the spotlight now which is absolutely well, well deserved i mean a hundred percent i i one of my biggest pet peeves is when people shit on hamilton it's like just stop <laughs> Just stop just stop
0: i mean like yeah everyone's entitled to their own opinion but like but like you're wrong.
1: yeah yeah <laughs> uh so my next composer is another contemporary composer we've brought him up uh jason robert brown mm-hmm. uh songs for a new world parade the last five years 13 uh <laughs> oh, bridges in madison county 13 wow uh But yeah, I mean, he's just really great. He really is one of the best composers, I think, when it comes to rhythm. Just, it's insane. It's so well thought out, so intricate, his rhythms. and It's incredible.
0: Oh, 100%. Like, uh, Chicks a Goddess and, like, Moving Too Fast. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then he has really crazy ballads, like, in Song for a New World, uh, what is it? I'm Not Afraid of Anything. I'm Not Afraid of Anything
0: is a beautiful song she cries
1: yeah there's he's ah he's so good i love jason r brown and he also does solo work as well he releases albums that he writes on top of all this
0: i've recently been um listening to some of that because my voice teacher was like oh you should look at some of this stuff to like to sing so i think he has an album called like someone else's clothing
1: yeah, I actually, I sang the song Someone to Fall Back On at a sh- at a showcase that I had with my voice teacher. It's a great song. That's uh, actually one of the songs my uh, voice teacher recommended me. I highly recommend it. It's a great song. Cool. Uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, I just love Jason R. Brown. I feel like a lot of people don't know who he is just because his shows really haven't been commercially successful. I mean, they have been successful, but. I mean, the last five years in Songs for a New World were never on Broadway, which is a shame, but... It was a shame. I mean, last five years got a
0: movie with Jeremy Jordan and Anna Kendrick.
1: Yeah, yep. So I guess, yeah, that is a commercially visible, I guess, I want to say. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. Like
1: No, 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 no.
0: I'm sure he's going to get bigger and bigger.
1: And compose more and more, because he, again, I think he's like just over 50 maybe yeah so he's Jason Robert
0: Brown is over 50
1: maybe just like a few years he's 49 okay
0: huh, i thought he was like
1: 30 no so yeah that is another one of those names that will emerge i think and become mainstream i mean he has 3 tony awards so like it's not like he isn't mainstream in the theater world but just like mainstream as a whole just because his music it It is like a blend of pop as well. Uh, I don't know why I emphasize pop, but uh, <laughs> he, he is a blend of pop music, I think. And I think that's kind of the future of musical theater as a genre. I mean, we've seen it with Dear Evan Hansen and stuff, just that these pop stylings are working their way into the scores, which I think is great. It's evolutionary in the styles of the music, which is cool. Yeah. Do you have another favorite uh, composer that you want to bring up, Aiden?
0: Yeah, it's a, just another duo. I really like Kerrigan and Loudermilk.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Another, I was, another one that's very yeah, under the radar.
0: Yeah, I would say so. I was actually first introduced to Kerrigan and Loudermilk in 2016. I did a musical theater camp. Uh, it was a week-long musical theater intensive at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Um met a lot of great people and we the entire camp was essentially split up i think into five or six maybe like different performance groups each with like a different director and you had like a different theme and you did like different pieces that like pertain to your theme um and i got to work with this great guy and we did some of this guy's original work and he's also very talented um And we also did some like lesser known works some like newer stuff. So we did a Kerrigan and Loudermilk piece called uh, The Fathers Ran Away.
1: Okay. I'm not familiar with that one, but.
0: I don't think a lot of people are, but ever since then, I've sort of been like, I definitely keep Kerrigan and Loudermilk sort of on my radar and, and look out for stuff they do because I think they're very, very interesting composers
1: yeah definitely uh, Run away with me was one of the songs that I had in my book in high school and stuff yeah I just think they are it is it is like this contemporary musical theater like we were just talking about Jason Robert Brown I mean they're recognizable songs by people our age and they're like, oh yeah this is great this is great music it's mm-hmm. it's it has a lot of pop stylings and you can see the different genres within the music and I think that's great because it is kind of expanding. The genre of uh, musical theater music. For my next composer, I have Andrew Lippa who I don't yeah I don't know if you're familiar with. He's pretty young. I, I think he's I very school. much am. Yeah, I yeah. sang
0: um uh, um what is it about her from the Ooh. wild party.
1: Yep, yep, yeah. So he's he's in his fifties, young in terms of composers. Uh, and is he Big really Fish. in his fifties? Yeah. Yep. my gosh uh he did big fish adam salian wild party i mean other stuff too but those are his biggest i want to say And i mean i love the music from big fish i don't know about you but
0: big fish is a beautiful show i really like big fish i love the wild party music
1: yeah the wild party is really great on top of that i just want to bring up pasik and paul i mean we're bringing up these contemporary musical theater composers and I think these this duo is along with Lin Manuel Miranda, what probably the most recognizable just in mainstream, uh, non-theater related, just with their works.
0: Sure. Yeah, they've definitely broken out.
1: Just with yeah, with it, La La Land, Greatest Showman,
0: and with Lin and like Moana and all of his work, yeah, out, outside of Broadway.
1: Mm-hmm. and I what I like about Pasek and Paul is like I've been mentioning I'm sounding like a broken record here but just the pop stylings and stuff and just the songs that are really just to, like you want to listen to them you keep going back to them they're kind of addictive in a sense like the songs from Dear Van Hansen like Dear Evan Hansen I know that it relieves a lot it receives a lot of backlash just for like being a musical that should be a play or something but I mean, the music I think is undeniably just like really, really well done.
0: Yeah, um, I'd never heard that criticism.
1: Really? I've all, I've, I really, yeah, no, I really
0: enjoy Dear Evan Hansen and the music and the story it tells. Um, and I think it's really powerful. That's interesting that Dear Evan Hansen should be a play.
1: I'd never heard that. Yeah, it's, it's something that with my theater friends I've talked to, that's just their big, that's just their big thing about it. It's... I mean, it does have the perfect story for a play, if you think about it. Just,
0: uh, Yeah, no, I, I think it could be an effective play, but I, yeah. But I think, like, musicals are also, like, all musicals could be effective plays, I think.
1: Yeah. 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 Because it is the, if it has a strong book, I mean, some musicals I know that do not have a strong book. Like, my one friend just saw Diana on Broadway, if you've heard of that. Yeah. It just got released uh, before COVID-19. It just premiered. And he said it just was not... Like, the book was really, really weak, which is a shame because that is a character uh, that just Princess Diana that was really under, like, deep speculation just about her life. Mm-hmm.
0: It Yeah, it definitely. I think it could have been an interesting story. That's interesting. Oh Yeah, I knew Diana had just premiered but i hadn't heard like any reviews or anything and i i definitely get where you're coming from with like musicals that don't have great books because like i've talked before how like i didn't really like be more chills book because i thought i thought the writing was sort of just cheap or like mean girls yeah the, the okay. mean girls book is yeah, lackluster yeah
1: i mean and they wrote a movie for it that's the whole thing it's... exactly
0: and so yeah no i definitely get where you're coming from it's like the musicals that sort of depend on spectacle uh, to to reel people in are probably the ones that don't carry the the most hard hitting emotional stories. Which is yeah. okay. Like musicals can be can like entertainment can be there for entertainment's sake. It doesn't always have to slap you across the face with a moral or a message.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a big thing with Moulin Rouge. I've heard is just it's so successful just because the spectacle is insane and it is this kind of fantasy dreamland where we can escape to. I mean, I haven't seen it, so mm-hmm. I can't really judge on that. But that's just I what I either heard. I wanted to. I really want yeah. to go see it. And uh, I also want to bring up. I just have haven't really talked about this show in the pod, but it's one of my favorite shows. Is Dogfight. Which was Pascal's great first musical. I mean it was it was it was never on Broadway, which is a shame. Because it is a great story. I mean it was adapted from a nineties film, but it, it, it some of the music in it is just incredible. And it's something I can listen to consistently, really.
0: Absolutely. The musical that's like for me that's like that is Bandstand.
1: Ooh, Bandstand,
0: yes. I love the music in Bandstand, and I definitely think it went off too quickly.
1: That's what I've heard. My, I One of our relatives saw it, and they loved it, and I really wanted to see it, but then it closed, and it's a shame. Yeah. It was only open for April to September, so like five months. Wow. Who wrote the music to that? That was Richard... Oberocker. Never heard of him. But me neither. Interesting. Oh, directed by Andy Blankenbuehler. Interesting. Oh. That's Successful cool. choreographer. Yeah. But yeah, that is I, I do like the I do like the music from Bandstand. Definitely. Uh shout out to Joe Carroll on the Guys Who Like Musicals Pod. He was in the original cast of Bandstand. <laughs> uh yeah, I think that's great. So now we're just going to talk about just composing and the evolution of it. So I'll kind of throw in my two cents about this. Uh, I just think it's, I think musical theater has, the scores have revolutionized and there's no denying that. And I mean, some people just say it's not for the better, which I just very adamantly disagree about. I mean, sure, there is that Rodgers and Hammerstein sound of carousel of just the ballad with just chords underlying it. I mean, that's great and all, but, I mean, I want to see some originality in these scores and just musical genius that these composers can produce. That's really my two cents about it.
0: Oh, I agree. And I also think sort of the sentiment that, like, Broadway has to stay one style is, is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I think it should be a myriad of styles. I think like that's the beauty of Broadway is you've got all of these different shows. Like If I wanna go see a traditional musical theater show, I can go see Phantom of the Opera and listen to this beautiful operatic score and these incredible soaring high notes and voices. Or I it can go right. see Moulin Rouge, which is this twist of on this like this modern poppy spectacular show. Like they both have their appeals and to say that one is objectively musical theater while the other isn't, is I think wrong. I think yeah, yeah. musical theater theater is a genre that is a mix of all different types of music.
1: Truly. Truly. And I think, like we were talking about Hamilton, I think that really, with the raps and the rap battle and stuff, like music, musical theater traditionalists are like, what? What? Like, what is this shit? <laughs> but, yeah. but like, it, it is. I mean, there's no denying that it's just incredible. And it, it was great for the genre that Hamilton came out at the time it did.
0: Absolutely. And I would say just like, in terms of composing, I talked a bit about about this in the beginning when I was just like I have so much respect for anyone who composes music because it is so just incredibly challenging at least to me and like I'm sure for some people it's just like oh it comes naturally like there was an interview with like Bob Dylan who was just like "Ah, I just wrote this song in a day and it's like (laughs) like why like how (laughs) that's insane And I think, um, and there's definitely, like, a difference, I think, between composing musical theater pieces and, like, composing modern-day, like, pop pieces or something like that. Because I think, you know, all all music tells a story. But I think maybe pop to a lesser degree than musical theater. That seems sort of like a pretentious... Thing to say but i don't know just like <laughs> i yeah no i know i know yeah and and just i know
1: right
0: the having this sort of like contained collection of songs that a musical has and then in this contained collection having ballads and up-tempo and comedic pieces and dramatic pieces to sort of create this musical landscape that helps further a story is yeah. just so breathtaking when it all like lands
1: yeah it's it's actually funny though because when i go like we would go on school trips for musicals you know and my friends who i my friends in high school weren't theater kids in any sense of the Mine word <laughs> and just when they would come to a musical and they just wouldn't appreciate it i'm like come on like this took so much work, and ugh, I don't know. It's one of it's one of my biggest gripes, really. Just the underappreciation yeah, it, of the genre as a whole.
0: Yeah, I totally get that, and it's like, it's just like even if it's not your thing,
1: yeah, yeah, can it, you
0: at least like appreciate? Like, it's so obvious how much like blood, sweat, and tears mm-hmm. went into this. Yeah, no, it does. It does seem. It's like that's sort of like why I love theater because it's a group of highly passionate people pouring their heart and soul into something that probably isn't going to like blow up. It's going to appeal to a very niche group of people.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's just, oh, I hate that. I hate when that happens, but uh, mm-hmm. that's just me. Uh, so, I think I'm going to talk about now just what I like in a score just in general. Like we've, talk, like we've talked about the variety, you got the ballad, the uptempo, the 11 o'clock number, the opening number, like love all that. That's, that's why waitress is another one of my favorite scores. It has really all those. Uh, I don't know why, like there's so many examples. I don't know why waitress just came to my head. I just like that show a lot, <laughs> uh, but also just if, if a score has like a recognizable motif like say the jets motif or the sharks motif in west side story or the phantom where it's like dun 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 you know it's yeah. so recognizable that i love that i love when it just comes back to this motif throughout the throughout the musical i mean wicked does it a lot too just my favorite shows do it and it's just something i really love and when I'm watching a show and I hear the dun 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 or something like that just in the show I jump out of my seat and I'm like yes 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 keep going <laughs> <laughs> it's like
0: yeah no absolutely I know what you mean and it's like for me that's why I love Andrew Lloyd Webber's compositions yep is I think because he in like almost all of his shows I think have that like phantom into that cat is like and it's like oh yeah yeah uh jesus christ he was like na, na. it's like all of his shows have these beautiful orchestral like short snippets that are so like recognizable and so repeatable it's just like when i saw phantom live i'd listened to the soundtrack a hundred times but nothing can prepare you for when you hear that first um
1: precisely. Like, yeah precisely yeah
0: <laughs> when you hear that first like downbeat as they all come in on that and it's just like literally like the hairs on my neck and my arms like stood up when Mm -hmm. I like when the show started and that was just such a such a fun feeling
1: yeah exactly I just love a great score I just love a great score I can just listen absolutely like my mom right now is just playing the Jekyll and Hyde soundtrack in my living room and you know, I'm here for it. I I forgot to talk about Frank Wildhorn. (laughs) There's so many composers I forget. Like, uh, the, the duo that did "Lame is" and Miss Saigon, I mean, incredible without saying, but.
0: Oh, oh my God. How could I have forgotten Bubill and Schoenberg? Yeah. Yeah, no, they, there are so many fantastic composers and I'm sure there are thousands more who are up and coming or like, haven't gotten their big break yet, who when it comes, we're just going to be talking about them forever because it's just like music is so like universal and so versatile that there's always something new in the works. And that's what I love about it.
1: Precisely. On that note, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. Sounds good to me. All right. Signing off. This is Peter Morara,
0: And I'm Aiden Babbitt. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week on Off-Broadway.